This is the Doctor Who Podcast, and you are most welcome. I'm really into Daleks. I'm so into Daleks. I love them. They're fantastic. I'm really, really into Daleks. My mate Jim's really into Daleks. He's got a Dalek in his front room. I wish more people were really into the Daleks. If they could only have an episode called Into the Dalek, that would get everyone into the Daleks a lot more. Aren't Daleks really amazing? Good morning, good evening, good night, good afternoon to everyone out there in Doctor Who Podcast Land. It's another episode of the Doctor Who Podcast. It's my great pleasure to have with me in the camper van, which which is quite full this week by the looks of it. It's wonderful to see such a crowded camper van again. Reminds me of the old days, I tell you. Oh, just just put my hand on my heart. I have James over in a corner. Hello, James. Hello, Trevor. Hello, everybody. And Michelle looking slightly sleepy, yet still with us over in the other corner. Sleepy's better than dopey. Good morning, Trev. <laughs> <laughs> and over in the other corner, eyeing off the China Hutch, as per usual, is Tom. Hello, Tom. Hello, you wee sleek at timorous beastie. Let's talk about Doctor Who. <laughs> that was Fraser from Dad's Army. <laughs> he was, rather. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I mean, we have another new episode of Doctor Who, which has which plopped into our laps. And uh, yeah, I, I really, really want to get straight into it, guys. No preamble, no, you know, sort of stuffing around. I really want to hear what you guys think about Into the Dalek. How do you know who I am? He doesn't. We promised him medical assistance. Are you my doctor? We found it floating in space. Thought it was deactivated, so we tried to disassemble it. You didn't realise there was a living creature inside. Not till it started screaming. Help me! Why would I do that? Why would any living creature help you? Daleks will die. Die all you like. Not my problem. Daleks must be destroyed. Daleks must be destroyed. What did you just say? So yes, I'm. I'm going to not ask for nominations today, or you know, we're not going to have our pre-recording ramble where we go, who's going to go first, who's going to go second. I'm just going to nominate. So James, since you're a newbie mm. to the caravan, um, <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> what did you think of this uh, uh, foray for the Capaldi Doctor into Dalek territory? You know, well, considerably better than last week, I have to say. So, uh, yeah, it was it was extremely difficult listening to your review of Deep Breath last week without being able to be heard. Or it didn't stop me talking. I still I still talked when I was listening, but yeah, this time round, I think it was considerably better, and that's because we got precisely what Leeson was after last week, and that was a full on Thirteenth Doctor story. There was no getting to know him. There was no apologies for how old he was. That he was littered through Deep Breath. It was just a bog-standard Doctor Who story, and it was a fairly good Dalek one as as, as well. And I, I enjoyed it. Um, I wouldn't have said it was the, the, the best story ever, but it certainly held my attention for the majority of the running time. And I, I do think it, it, it struggled a little bit towards the end. It felt there wasn't quite as much plot as there needed to be uh, to, to, to keep it going. So we got lots of... It, frankly spectacular explosions and running up and down corridors um, but I, I was struck by a number of things certainly the, the the tone of this and the style it was basically Star Wars there, there, there was Star Wars imagery 
everywhere. There, there was sh- there were shooting scenes round bent corridors. There were blast doors. There was the whole opening chase, which was essentially a star destroyer chasing Millennium Falcon in Empire Strikes Back. Uh, yeah, it was. It, it really took a, a huge leaf from from the pages of the Star Wars saga. But uh, but that didn't mean it was it was bad. Uh, I, I thought it was. Um, I thought it was good, um, and, and I really enjoyed watching a story that clearly hadn't been authored entirely by Stephen Moffat. I know you got the joint credit, but this was a Phil Ford story, and, and you can tell. Phil Ford, I think, is, is the writer who is closest to Russell T. Davis uh, these days. And oh, I think, don't say that. Please oh, don't well, say he that. is, but he's a good Russell T. Davis. I mean, the, 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 the Russell character- T. Davis is a good Russell T. Davis. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, Phil Ford's a slightly better Russell T. Davis in my view. Okay. Anyway, I, th- I think he's he gets character dialogue written quicker, more effectively, and I think he's funnier. And I think if you blend that with the way that Moffat likes telling Doctor Who, this is what you get. And I I think this is a really good fusion of writers. I think it looks very good. It's it's a great introduction story. There's very very little arc stuff in it, apart from a very similar piece i suppose to uh, the season six little snippets with madame kovarian mm. but this time we've got missy instead um i'm, I'm sure that will change because he won't just do a straight rerun um of, of that idea but on the whole yeah really really enjoyed it okay so a glowing endorsement from james tom what did you think um, I, I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it last week. I enjoyed it this week. Um, there are obvious things to mention. Um, the uh, the idea of miniaturising uh, people and putting them inside a body is very much... But was it the fantastic journey or the incredible journey? Was that the film? The, the Invisible voyage. Enemy, thank you very much. <laughs> oh, the, the Invisible or Enemy. Or Carnival of Monsters. <laughs> or the fa- the no, The Invisible Enemy. I mean, <laughs> as, as soon as he walked into that room and he saw that device about shrinking, I thought, ah, we're going to have someone inside someone else's body in like 10 seconds. Seconds. Well, um, okay. it was an obvious invisible enemy homage. Absolutely. Well, okay, Invis- invisible enemy inside the Doctor Who universe. You're absolutely right. Um, outside the Doctor Who universe, there's quite a famous film that um, deals with exactly the same uh, plot device. But that's beside the point. We can come back to that. Um, what did I think of it? Peter Capaldi is fantastic. Um, I have issues with Jenna Kelman's character, but she's a brilliant actress. Um, and it's very, very clear to me that the pair of them are elevating the. That they're adding the. They're adding. Um, actually wonder and magic to the scripts it's very that's very very clear to me so to, to any, for those that read um, read the scripts as they were leaked and were complaining about them I, 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 I've got to say I was right you, you should have waited to see what the actors do with it because what Capaldi is doing he did this last week and, he's, and he did it and he did it um, with Into the Dalek is showing just how good a strong actor can be and what they can do to, to elevate a script from the page and into uh, and into the air um I don't think we're going to... Have, just an aside about that. I don't think we're going to have to wait too long before writers are able to write to the character that Peter Capaldi is creating. There were moments in Yesterday Night where you, where some of the lines could have been written or said by David Tennant or by um, Matt Smith. And there is a sense of Matt Who coming out of this already um, because Peter Capaldi is really stamping his authority on it so very, very well. He's so alien. Um, bits of Baker, bits of Pertwee, bits of McCoy in there, but very much it's all him all him and it's and it's absolutely wonderful I love the opening scene where he he, he's, he told um, Journey Blue that she'd starved to death in a week trying to find the light switch brilliant this is my TARDIS it's not it's not it's, it's not a Sharabang it's my ship I like the I like the fact that he calls it a time capsule he's nasty I like that the, the, the whole thing 
you're setting up lots of questions. One, who did who did Danny Pink kill? Um, two, why is Clara teaching at Coal Hill? She could have been teaching anywhere. Mm, yeah, um, yeah. Three, what's going on with those hexagons and the reference to Rome in, in the in the corridors of Coal Hill? Um, there's, there's all sorts. There's all sorts. Why did it take him three weeks to get down from Glasgow? It's not because he can't control the TARDIS. He can obviously control the TARDIS because he can materialise it around someone with a second to go before they die. Um, which Time Lord is Missy? Because she is a Time Lord. Because she's got control. She's not a Time Lord. She's absolutely not a she's Time got Lord. Con- no way. She's, she's, <laughs> listen, if she's not a Time Lord, she's got control of a TARDIS because she can do exactly the same trick. No, she's, she's got control of time travel technology i've got a cookie theory which i'm quite happy to go into later on but i guarantee you she's not a time Ooh. lady or has anything to do with gallifrey I, I, I will go as far as to say she's got control of a tardis i know you're saying time travel technology i'm saying control of a tardis because i i'd say not i'd say not a tardis but go on tell me why mm, same here yeah doctor materializes uh, materializes his time capsule around someone just the second before they die he's done it before um and then missy materializes her time capsule around someone but the moment before they die as well um but anyway look, leaving all of that mm-hmm. off to one side um i think it was a great story i don't like daleks they bore me silly um james you're right about um star wars um, the the whole blast doors thing the trash compactor thing yeah Mm. very very star wars but that's no bad thing i mean uh, i think we're all familiar with the idea that when um when the Doctor Who team went and watched Star Wars in 1977, they thought they had to up their game. It's taken them a few years, but they've got to the place where they can do it now, which is wonderful. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so yeah, oh, um, um, I like to say <laughs> so. I, I really liked it. <laughs> Wasn't that funny? Oh, all the notes from Terence Dix are finally getting used, are they? <laughs> that is insane. Oh, it's taken him a few years to catch up. All those notes that Terence Dix has left, they're finally using them 50 years later. <laughs> the other thing I think, I don't know if you, I'm sorry, I, I, I missed last week's, but I don't know if you mentioned this. There's something happening with the pacing. If the, These feel more like old school two-parters or four-parters to the yes. point where I was looking yes. at my watch partway through thinking, how are they going to get this finished in time? Mm. Um, but yeah, so, but if, if it was a question did I like it? Yes, I liked it. What didn't I like about it? Nah, not to Daleks. I, I, don't, I, I just don't like Daleks. Um, but yeah, it was. But it was great, and it's wonderful to see Capaldi being the Doctor, not being an actor, being the Doctor, but being the Doctor. And I think that character, the Doctor, knows a lot more than he's letting on. Mm, definitely. Now, Tom, you just need to do one more thing. Sure. Take a breath. <laughs> <laughs> a deep, a deep breath. <laughs> a deep breath. <laughs> indeed, indeed. I, I agree, the performances are fantastic. I think Capaldi's a really interesting doctor. Mm. It's still going to take me a few episodes to get my head around him. My impression I got from him in this episode that he's still a very callous, mean, dismissive type of person. And it's interesting you said that, um, I, 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 I suppose to me, the rest of the cast make up for this very, very dour, down doctor that's very self-doubting, uh, not not sure of himself type of thing, still feeling his way. I'm wondering whether that's going to be a constant characterisation or whether he's going to have some sort of epiphany at some point and finally, you know, we're going to see a different side. No, I, I, but- I, I think he's there. Yeah. I think the essence of this doctor is there already. Uh, I don't think there's going to be a great deal more to come out. Yeah, he might have a, a doubt or two about whether... His actions are actually justifiable, but there are times when he's in the thick of it. He doesn't think twice. He sacrificed that character. Again, I can't even remember what it was now, right at the very beginning mm. when he was saying, well, he was dead already. Yeah. You know, mm. and that was a mm. very, very sixth Doctor thing. 
Um, but I don't think that is something that is going to be shown in later stories as a flaw that needs to be remedied. I think that's just a case of saying, this is the Doctor that you've got now. And I th- I love the confidence yep. that Capaldi is exuding here. This Doctor is not asking to be forgiven. He's not asking to be understood. He's not asking for empathy. He is so far away from Tennant's Doctor, it's unreal. He doesn't even mm. want acceptance, I think, apart from the people who it matters to him that accept him, which in this case is is. Clara. And for me, I think we've got the Doctor, and I, I like him. I, I think he is a good, good, confident, strong Doctor, and more importantly, something we haven't seen yet. Yes, mm-hmm. certainly not since oh, the show come definitely. back. I mean, that's that's why I'm not really making much of a judgment at the moment about him, because I think there's still more to see before me personally, I can say, yes, I really like the 14th Doctor. Um, it's it's the kind of thing that I'll do. I, I, yeah, I am correct. He's the 14th Doctor, guys. I, I think, though, different to what Tom said, the cast around him really has to lift him up to get him up to the same level as they are in terms of, you know, the tone of the show because there, there are certain points in it, like you say, James, where the Doctor is quite dark, very Sixth Doctor-ish, and there has to be that balance around him. So I, I found this episode really interesting that, you know, for a lot of the time, he 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 doesn't really seem to care very much. He's he he he's almost, I don't know, self-centered to a certain extent in in his own little bubble. Focused, and focused. Dip, well, yeah. focused. That that's just another way of saying in, introverted and not really caring about what's going on around no, him. No. He he's um different to the Matt Smith Doctor, whereas the Matt Smith Doctor was um, I don't know, juvenile and clueless, whereas the Capaldi Doctor is calculating and aloof um it it's that's that's a, that's the kind of thing i get from that i think that's how he's coming across i think he's on automatic trev i i think he's doing what the doctor does without really thinking about it and then in this in the quieter moments he is thinking about it and mm-hmm. i suspect mm-hmm. that those moments will start overtaking the saving the universe callously moments mm-hmm. later mm-hmm. on but i still think this this doctor is pretty much as presented. I don't think you're going to get a suddenly emo doctor three or four episodes down the line and him being unrecognisable to the doctor that we've seen in this week's episode and last week's. But Michelle, we, we need to hear what you thought about the episode. Us us guys are just rambling on at the moment about <laughs> dark doctors. What did you think of the story? Well, well, I want to preface this by saying that the, the nature of when this airs in the United States and when we record means that I, I think for much of the series, I'm going to have almost no processing time be- before we speak. This is one where I thought, oh my goodness, I, I really would like to watch this again and probably again and again and, and have more time to think about it. But my first impression of this one is that I think think I really, really, really liked this one. And it kind of goes against something I was saying beforehand. I was a little worried about how much introspection we were going to get, how much time the doctor was going to spend debating about whether he was a good doctor or not. And yet, as I see it play out in this episode, I really liked that. One of the things that had troubled me, and and, and Waters of Mars was, was the previous Phil Ford episode, right? Was, mm, uh, he right. co-wrote yeah. that with RTD. Right, yeah. right, right. Mm, and and, and mm. I was bothered at the time and had been ever since that we had a doctor that, that got very dark 
with seemingly no consequences. You know, they never returned to that. I thought there was going to be something that followed. And I feel like finally in this episode, we're getting a doctor that, you know, has some of those dark tendencies, but spends some soul-searching time thinking about the morality of what he's doing uh, and, and, and really discovering himself, certainly, you know, in, in the climax scene here where, where he thinks he's going to save the soul of the Dalek, but when he bears his own soul... You know, it, there's too much darkness mm. there, and it doesn't do. And I really like that we're getting a doctor that is stopping and saying, whoa, you know, what am I doing? Is is this okay? Um, he's pausing to reconsider who he is. I, li- I like the sense that maybe he's a little like the first doctor in that he may need uh, his companions and indeed, you know, reproducing Ian and Barbara in Cole Hill's school yep. teachers. No such thing um, as coincidences, man. I will like watching this play out, particularly if he becomes a better person and a better doctor. I, I do want to have the adventures and have the doctor going off and doing things. And, and I was worried that we were getting too hung up on the doctor. And here we are re-examining the doctor. But I really, really like it. And I, I absolutely... I, I, Capaldi is fantastic. Um, my, my biggest problem with the show right now is that we have to wait seven days in between episodes to see more of Peter Capaldi. <laughs> I have not been this eager to see more and to have more in, in years, and I am absolutely loving this, and uh, I think I really liked last night's episode. One of the things I wanted to, to raise about um, Peter Capaldi is that I'm very much reminded of other doctors, just well, because that's what you do when you've got a new doctor actor, isn't it? You think about the other, yeah, you think about yeah, the yeah. others. Um, but there's, the, there's, there's all the way through yesterday, I was thinking, this is, like, this is the doctor from the Pyramids of Mars. He's got, something, mm-hmm, he, mm-hmm. he's got something in his head he needs to do. And the apes that he loves so much are kind of incidental to it. And if some of them die, that's kind of okay, because millions of them will live. Um, that's part. That, that's one thing. And um, there's another point about um, uh, Peter Capaldi making the crack about um, Clara being his carer, or or is Clara making the crack about being his carer? Yep, she cares, mm-hmm. so I don't have to. I really loved that. Um, but I thought it, it highlights something that we that we see in a lot of um, storytelling in the modern day, which is that you've got a central character who's not essentially likable or a bit um, or, or, or skewed to one, one towards one end of the autistic spectrum. So you know that they are focused on one thing, but kind of leaving out all the human interaction bits that so many that most of us do so well um but, the, but something else just occurred to me while i've been listening to all of you talking um there's, there are some parallels why did why was the doctor there he could have been anywhere in time and space and he was chasing after a tiny pursuit ship in the middle of a dalek battle and if he could materialize a tardis around one person why couldn't he really materialize it around two they were in the same physical space that's a question well, actually, 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 I think that's a very, very important question, right, uh, Tom? Yep. Because it, I think it goes back to the question that was asked last week mm. about um, Capaldi's face being, you know, from the Doctor's past. It was, what was it, Coreticus? I can never remember his name, mm. in, in Fires of Pompeii. But the whole point about that particular character was that a doctor could save well he could save one family mm. right he could only save one family and that's because he was persuaded to do so by donna mm-hmm. in that story this time around he saved one person again why couldn't he save two i think this is a theme and i think the answer oh. to the question you just posed <laughs> will probably become you know evident and i think this is the way it's going to play out I, I I think your first question is a very good one, mm-hmm. although probably we'll never get an answer to it. But I think the second one is really easy. 
the brother was dead, yeah, or he was, or he was unsavable. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now that now that to me fits in with the characterization of the Capaldi Doctor perfectly. Oh. He didn't save him because he was unsavable, whether he was close to dead or he had already died. Okay. And that fits in with the rest of the story that he was happy to sacrifice the guy when they were inside the Dalek because hey he couldn't save him from the antibodies but he was happy to use him to lead them you know further into the Dalek. Interesting, interesting. I have to get I have to get this last point out. I am listening, I promise. But I just have to get. I, was, but again, I, want, I, I need to get this into get this into into space. Don't worry, before. we're all the same. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, okay. So look, here's the thing. Um, we've got a character called Journey Blue. Journey Blue. <laughs> Journey, yes, blue, yeah. box. But it goes, there's something beyond that. Um, and, and, um, listeners, there's, please go to the internet and look up a thing called apophenia. A-P-O-P-H-E-N-I-A. That's what I've got this morning, apophenia. Um, but also, apart from that, you've got blue, pink, soldiers. And, I'm not, and, I, and I, I've got to be very careful how I, how I phrase this. Um, those of you who have ever seen a picture of me will know that I'm a, a man of African descent, so I'm not trying to be racist. Um, but you've got two mixed-race soldiers, both named after colours. There's no coincidences in this. In the same way as the, co- the corridor that Clara walked down had hexagons, a load of New Who locations on a board, and then uh, a load of stuff about Rome as well. This, or it, this show is too expensive to take chances and just have someone throwing stuff on a wall. It all it all links up, definitely. I want to pick up on your Roman thing, though. And, yeah. and, and this goes back to something that, that uh, we talked about. Oh, I can't even remember, which uh, I guess it was just last episode. <laughs> 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 but, uh, you know, I, the, the, the Marcus Aurelius references, which were, were in both Day of the Doctor and then in, in, in Deep Breath. Yep. And, and the quote that Clara had about waste no more time arguing about what a good man should be, be one. Mm. I, I think that's the theme of the season here is we're going to follow the Doctor through trying to return to being a good man. At least I hope so. I hope at the end they'll... they'll the theme will be what the quote kind of was, and that he will be a good man. But yeah, definitely the Roman stuff continues to be to be repeated as we go through. Yeah, I mean, oh, it, it's just it's just a um, a setup to bring Rory back because he was a Roman, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing you mentioned, though, Tom, this pyramids Ooh. of Mars. Yeah, yeah, there was a very strong pyramids of Mars vibe. But that whole thing with not saving the brother and with being fairly callous about it reminded me so much of Tom Baker, yes. uh, the fourth doctor, talking to Scarman about that that thing is not your brother. Yes. You know, and, 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 and just, you know, get over it. Mm. Um, it, it. It was very reminiscent. And yet, uh, I don't think, I mean, this doctor is callous. This doctor, I think, is focused on what needs to be done and doesn't, mm. doesn't spare the time for the emotional mm. stuff. But I don't think he's malicious. No. There's a fine line there that I don't think Capaldi is crossing, and, and I still feel like I'm on his side. I get the feeling he's mocking us. He ab- he's absolutely mocking us, and he's only just holding back from it. Um, but, hmm. Michelle, I think, what you, I, I think you're right. One of the things that Rusty the Dalek mentioned was that inside the Doctor's mind, he could see beauty and endless divinity. So it, 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 that is the Doctor. That is the Doctor. He's right, you know, he's right there. Um, he may not know himself terribly well, but right now he knows himself well enough to be mocking us. Um I, I, I say again, that it's, it's no coincidence that he was there. Um, and as soon as he saw the shrinking device, I mean, look at his body language. He's like, ooh, what's hmm. this? I've got no idea what it is. Come on, let's get on with it. I need you to, I need you to help me to do something. Let's go. It, it's, it, it, that's maybe a, a very Seventh Doctor thing. 
um, to be uh, playing people like like, like pieces. But yeah, I, I think he knows what he's doing. Um, although Capaldi is on record as saying that the, he doesn't believe that the character of the Doctor is quite fixed yet. But I think by the time the season nine scripts start turning up, when the writers know what they're writing to, he'll be fully mm. formed. I, I don't think he's particularly malicious. Bearing in mind, everybody who was willing to accept Matt Smith's character mm. very very quickly you know in, in a town called mercy you know he was more than happy just to chuck someone over mm-hmm, the line mm-hmm. so that the problem would go away he executed solomon without a second thought that was never addressed and yeah people had issues with that at the time but we're now talking about a doctor who perhaps can't be bothered with actually trying to get people to like him he's just there and, and people are thinking well actually perhaps he could be a little bit nicer about it I I, I I don't think we've got a fundamentally different character here at all I, I think it is very clearly still the Doctor I love the way Capaldi comes across I think he is probably one of the most talented actors to ever play the role and uh, I, I just think it comes across mm-hmm. this story for me is a very very confident performance um tom you talked a little bit earlier about the pacing or at least i think it was you i do apologize profusely if i'm mistaking you for trev but uh, <laughs> I mean, you, you, you were talking about well. the, yeah you were talking about the pacing oh uh, can, you, can you just hold on a minute i need to go and get another bottle hang on <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the pacing of this this did seem slower uh, and i think trev you said last week that jenna didn't get the message about that and that she was still going at 100 miles an hour i mm. i think the reason this still doesn't feel quite right is that the pacing has been slowed down you're right but there isn't enough story to fill it so they've kind of Whilst they've turned down the dial on the pacing, they've turned the dial down on the amount of story to get across in 45 minutes as well. Mm. And for me, basically, this is a story about people wandering around inside a Dalek. There's a few lines, and there's not much, really, about the morality of a good Dalek, which frankly was explored in far more detail and in a far more interesting way within Dark Eyes. And uh, I, I think actually the whole of this story for me, it felt like a Nicholas Briggs script. It felt like a Ooh. big finish space Ooh. opera. Boom. Um, and, I, and I liked it. I, I've always <laughs> no enjoyed it. No wonder I films. liked it. It's... <laughs> well, the whole thing was, the whole concept, a, a character drama, right, which you've got between, you know, this, this romance, which I'm a little bit sceptical about between the characters of Clara and Danny at present. Mm. Why? The good-looking just... people, they're teachers. I mean, she, she... Well, yeah, it's, it's not It's not so much the characters or the actors, Tom, it's the fact that it's in Doctor Who. And, yeah, you know, I, oh. I, I remain sceptical. I'm, I'm not adverse to all of this stuff uh, within it's all there for <laughs> Doctor a reason. Who, within oh. my Doctor Who. If you look at the issue of Clara, you know, in the whole, I mean, and, and we had an entire episode last year uh, talking about whether or not she was actually a viable companion. And I was very, you know, critical of the way that she'd been written. I, I didn't like her at all in season seven. I thought she was the most amoebic companion ever. Now, you look at the story she's been given in both Deep Breath and indeed last night's episode, and it, she's been written totally differently. And I, I, for one, have to say, I think Deep Breath was her strongest performance she has given today. I couldn't believe that, but Leeson in particular, uh, I, I knew you wouldn't like it, Trevor, but I, I, I couldn't <laughs> believe that Leeson wasn't keen on the way that she'd been written, the role that she'd been given, the 
long character scenes she had with the Doctor. She was brilliant last week. Yeah, the actor's and, and great. And this week as well. The actor's yeah, great. Yeah, oh, for me, her quality, the acting quality has never been in doubt. It's whether or not the companion has any substance and whether she can carry a, a story. And I think this week and last week, for me, means yes, she can. And in certain areas, she can lead plot points. And she is leading the character drama here because the Doctor cannot, because he's moved away from that kind of character and I think it's working fantastic and if if this is the way Clara is continuing uh, and the way that her character will develop over the next few episodes and I'm all for it because I'm fed up with a boring Clara and yesterday and last week I think is fine whether or not you dislike the way that she is and we had a conversation about Amy you know lots of people thought well you know she's not a very nice person she's an interesting person Clara is not yeah she's actually a person Clara is not unpleasant I think she might be a bit pushy with Danny and I I, I was watching this with um, my wife last night and we found that very funny because he clearly likes her she has detected that wants to get out of this difficult situation that she created by responding inappropriately the first time they were introduced and it works it's funny it's real i think yep. it is real um yep. occasionally and I, the amount of times i have said stupid things to people when i don't know them irrespective of whether they're a you know a doctor who celebrity people who i i've listened to on a podcast and i oh hello yes you don't look anything like i i you know you sound I'm, as if nobody else has ever said that ever people do say inappropriate and silly things in pressurized situations yeah. and i think that's all it was yeah. last night no, and I'd, li- I'd like to say that i i've always liked clara i think when we had that debate on the on the podcast i was strongly in her in her defense i still enjoyed clara last week i wasn't as comfortable with the role she, the function she was given to play where where i felt like like they were using her to tell the audience why the audience should accept this new doctor instead of just letting the brilliant new Agreed. doctor be uh, fantastic. Yeah. But but in yeah. this story, I, I really liked her. And I love this idea that as the doctor is sort of recalibrating his moral compass, that she is stepping in and helping with that, that she, she can be his conscience. Uh, she's Jiminy he... Cricket. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she... <laughs> yeah, there you go. But, uh, you know, there are things I just love about her. Like, like you know, she is in the middle of, of getting to know this new fella she's excited about. The doctor shows up and she says, you know, I- I'm in the middle of something. He says, I need your help. And she instantly drops what she's doing because she, she, when he says that, she knows it's true. And she's there and she helps him all the way through. And indeed, you know, in the, the finale of this, she is the one, again, who says, no, you can't leave it here. We learned something else here. There is something more to be done and prompts him to do what needs to be done. But then in the end, she doesn't. it's not just her that solves the problem. I mean, she has a part of it, and she nudges him when he needs his nudging. Oh. But he's still the, the hero that goes up and you know links his brain into the Dalek, even though it doesn't play out the way he thought it was going to. Agreed. But but yeah. I really like that dynamic between the companion and the doctor, and, 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 and I, I continue to really like Clara and in indeed in 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 rethinking last week's episode and in watching it again my opinion of her in that episode increased i, I enjoyed it more on second watch mm. it's it it's interesting tom i mean you you were saying before i think um why is clara at coal hill school and i i think you kind of hinted that maybe it was part of like some sort of seventh doctorish type uh, master plan on on the part of Capaldi, I'm I'm not 
really so sure. I mean, the whole chain of events seems to be that at the end of Deep Breath, they went for coffee. The doctor darted off for three weeks. Clara was left on her own and went back down to London and got a job at Coal Hill School. Now, well, she didn't get a job she, there. She, she was already working She returned working to her job. She, she oh, was then, working then, there. Then, at, then she returned doctor. to it. Mm. Uh, I mean, to me, that didn't really seem like uh, the you know the fourteenth Doctor pulling any strings. It was you know the Doctor wandered off because he uh, is is a little bit self centered and he wandered off and did stuff on his own and then suddenly no, he realized no, he oh I've got a rip- okay. I don't think he, 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 no it, for him it, for him it was right in the timeline. He was holding the coffee that he was supposed to be bringing to her. Absolutely he, right. He popped up to be the fetcher and get the coffee and somehow with the coffee he he took this detour to save to to he save got, yeah. Journey, but. But then he went back to pick up Clara with the coffee he was supposed to be bringing. Her. I don't know. It, as, it was like as, the girl who waited. He popped off I, for a few minutes. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. I yeah, don't believe gone. I'm saying this, but as far as coffee continuity goes, <laughs> I think I I think they're different coffees. To be perfect, I mean I don't believe. I still can't believe I just said that. They 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 are different <laughs> cups of takeaway coffee. They, finished, I mean, yeah, but also, it's not. I think they're you're really, meant to really believe not. it's the same coffee that he offers the soldier as well as the one he brings to Jenna, but. They're different coffees. No, I mean, it's to the, me, it's the same one. The doctor has been away for a long time. The doctor didn't suddenly leave from Glasgow and then go three weeks forward in time to see Jenna at Coalhill School. No, he just set the TARDIS right. He couldn't be bothered. He said he got distracted. Yeah, he got distracted he, he, by by rescuing a soldier that was being pursued by da- by the Dalek fleet. I really do like the Seventh Doctor Machiavellian coffee master plan, though. He, the, the Doctor <laughs> thinks, "Oh, I can't go with these coffees because she'll realise they are the coffees that I bought at the end of the last episode. I better go and save the world." They're buy different some new coffees, coffees, people. Go that's back. important. You've got to understand that plot <laughs> point. <laughs> Moffat doesn't leave anything to chance. Everything that's in the episode is there for a reason. But they are different coffees. Just like when Matt wasn't wearing his coat, that is a definitely a thing. They're different coffees, and I, and I will be borne out by the end of the season. I guarantee you. Um, I, I, I think what we've got, we have definitely got some time travel going on because she's talking about um, a period of time in, in the matter of, in, in terms of hours. Clara's talking about weeks, and for the Doctor, this stuff is all, all seems to be instantaneous. And again. It's not he. He's doing something. He knows what he's doing because he can control that TARDIS now. He can materialize it around in a moving object um, around a single person. He can control it. You, you're three weeks late. Oh yeah, well I'm three weeks late because I want to be three weeks late for you because there's a reason I'm three weeks late for you, but I can't tell you what it is just yet. It's it's great. It's really really good. I'll st- I'll shut up now. I think you're right, but the coffee's still the same. <laughs> nah, it's different. It's different. <laughs> that new TARDIS has got coffee cup holders. What I do want to discuss, guys, is something we really haven't talked about. We haven't talked about going into the Dalek. Oh, my God. Behold the belly of the beast. It's amazing. It's huge. No, Ross. We're tiny. So how big is it, that living park, compared to me and you right now? You see all those cables? Yeah. But not all cables. Oh. Does it know we're here? It's what invited us in. Now, this is the cortex vault. Supplementary electronic brain. Memory banks, but more than that. This is what keeps the Dalek pure. Our Dalek's pure. 
Dalek mutants are born hating. This is what stokes the fire, extinguishes even the tiniest glimmer of, of kindness, compassion. Imagine the worst possible thing in the universe and then don't bother because you're looking at it right now. This is evil refined as engineering. I, I suppose the new series has, has done a few things like this. We've been inside the spaceship, the TARDIS, and now we're inside the Dalek. Um, I mean, for me personally, I, I found going inside the TARDIS to be a bit disappointing. It, it wasn't the TARDIS mm-hmm. that I thought it was going to be, um, probably because I'm too used to uh, watching Invasion of Time too much and knowing what the TARDIS really looks like on the inside. A hospital. Going inside the... Well, yeah. <laughs> going inside the Dalek in this one, um, I'm not really sure I was that convinced. It seems very um, hollow. Mm-hmm. Lo- lots and lots of cavernous spaces that you think would be filled up with electronics and sinews and all and all sorts of thing to make the Dalek work. There, there didn't seem to be much inside the Dalek. I, I think the comparison with Journey to the Centre of the TARDIS is is totally off i think the only thing in common is the fact that it's journey to the center that's what people are thinking of the actual film as tom mentioned earlier that this one is based on is miniaturization journey to the center of the tardis had nothing to do with miniaturization it was just about going out the door of the control room and having a bit of a wander this one was actually examining what it was like on the inside i i, I felt it was very similar to let's kill hitler and the tesselector we've dealt with that theme very very clearly before and that in its in in a way was a pastiche of um, Carnival of Monsters and again inside of that particular machine whatever it was in the John Pertwee story it also felt very cavernous there were large gaps and, and spaces but um, but the, the, the point that you make about not being enough stuff then I I, did, I I think you're right. It felt a little bit too much like a factory for me. There was It wasn't alien mm. enough. Lots of corridors. Lots and lots of corridors. I mean, I mean, even when they went for the first time into the eye stalk, which, which I thought was a great way to actually enter the Dalek, you know, doing that sort of uh, stargate type liquid feel where, they, where he pushed his hand through. But then they walked down this long cylinder and I thought, wouldn't there be a lot more inside a Dalek eye stalk than just this corridor? I mean, I know they need somewhere for the actors to walk and, you know, have conversations and do dialogue and stuff, but, yeah, it it just seemed like the Dalek was filled with lots and lots and lots of corridors for people to easily walk down. You know, Trev, you're you're right, and I actually had that fleeting thought, but it didn't bother me. The the, the story was, was more important. And, and yeah, I guess, I suppose in a way, if, if you're thinking classic Doctor Who, it was kind of like one of those Spartan sets that they couldn't afford to, to stick a bunch of stuff on. So, uh, but... I, I, it didn't bother me. It just didn't bother me. It wasn't important to the story. You talk about themes, um, and what, what, what the theme I saw from this was that it was that um, exposed to something outside your frame of reference it's possible to have your 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 worldview challenged and expanded that's that's the theme that i saw that's actually quite a da- that's not dangerous it's actually quite a brave story story to tell for doctor who um the doc- the doctor's frame of reference is expanded by meeting his deadliest enemy um the dalek's frame of ref- reference is expanded by interacting with his deadliest enemy and if we take a step back from that and 
for a moment consider the world outside Doctor Who. That is a very, very brave story to tell in a world where people are becoming, well, well, where certain factions are becoming more and more entrenched in their own worldview. Um, perhaps we could do well by actually embracing someone else's experience and having our own um, uh, horizons expanded. But I think, but that, but when you, whenever you say theme, that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking about what was the story actually about, and I think, and it was that. Well, for me, I mean, I I found three words in this story to be incredibly poignant, and 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 I love when Doctor Who takes, you know, some of the established canon of Doctor Who and turns it on its head. And they did that with three words in this story: resistance is futile. Yeah. Now, you know, for the last forty years, we've always been about that's always been about Daleks conquering worlds, but now it's about a Dalek realising that what they're doing is futile, that, you know, the, the, the worlds and the stars will constantly renew themselves, yes. that their constant battle to destroy the universe, which is what Davros was trying to do not too many seasons ago, destroy the entire universe, that is all futile and totally useless. I, I love those words. That, that made the episode for me. You know what troubled me, though, uh, along that lines is they had this Dalek that they were saying was a good Dalek or a moral Dalek, and all we really heard the Dalek saying at, at the start was Daleks must die. It was still a Dalek that was out to kill things, except that now yeah. it had, yeah. had turned. And and yeah. and I don't know why that made it a good Dalek. I mean, it, it didn't. If, That's all. If, that if, was just if, the yeah. If it had said Daleks must be stopped, you know what the Daleks is doing is wrong. That seems to me a, a Dalek that's been getting to discover morality. But but it was the Doctor who wanted it to be good. Yeah, uh, there was yeah. never any evidence that the Dalek gave that destroying was his still his fundamental reason for being. It was the Doctor mm. hoping he was going to be able to be turned. And again, another Star Wars word, come to the light side, Dalek. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things I found heartbreaking was, you know, as the Doctor w- was healing the Dalek or fixing the Dalek, this whole thing about Dalek, please don't be lying to me. I thought that was beautiful and, and, and heartrending that mm. here's the doctor pleading against all evidence he's ever seen for 2,000 years that this Dalek, you know, can be redeemed. And um, yeah, no, I, I, there was a lot in there that I liked. Um, but I that oh, whole premise yeah. at the beginning that this was a good Dalek because it wanted to kill all the Daleks instead of killing everybody else was a little troublesome uh, for me. That, that was just human interpretation. I mean, was this the same Dalek as we saw in Dalek in season one. No, but I think this Dalek is Dalek Sek that has travelled back in time from the Time War somehow. He sounds like him. He philosophises like him. Everything I saw of him in this story, from his intonations of his voice, which seemed to be different to a normal Dalek, um, seemed to indicate to me that this is the same Dalek that then gets battered in the Time War, gets flung back in time and becomes this... Dalek philosopher. Well, the, the reason I asked the question was because there is a line in this where he says, "You are a good Dalek." Now, in Dalek, in Rob mm-hmm. Shearman's mm-hmm. script, yeah. the Dalek looks at him and says, "You would, make- you would make a good Dalek." I'd be very, very surprised if that was a coincidence. So, therefore, if there is a point to that, then, like you say, yeah, it might be Dalek Sec. You never know. I mean, who's to say Dalek Sec wasn't the the Dalek in Dalek? It's interesting whether it's a coincidence or not. I suppose would be open to debate. But um, Doctor Who often feeds on itself, whether it's positively or negatively. And this might just be a case of us reading too much into it. We've spent the whole Moffat era reading too much into absolutely everything. Sometimes right, sometimes wrong. So that could be one of the things that might 
pan out in season eight. Who knows? Or it might just be something that we've picked up that has of no consequence whatsoever. So time will tell, I suppose. It always does. It always does. So, James, you have for us this week a bona fide, gold-plated, beautifully framed... Kooky Theory. Of the week. Kinda. Yeah. <laughs> it, and and it's, it's, it's Tom who's responsible for it, really. Both actually Tom and Leeson, because they've approached the same issue uh, from you know, exactly the same way. And I, and I think... Both of them are, are, are wrong, but it's given me <laughs> cause for thought. We're wrong! <laughs> why, should, why should things change now? Uh, well, Leeson has been talking about this female master. Uh, initially, within our Season 8 preview, he thought it was going to be Miss Delfox, and now he's switched it completely to Missy. Tom, you, you talked about some kind of Time Lord technology earlier on this episode, yep. and I don't think that's right either, but I, I know where it's coming from. So this this is it, and oh. who I think Missy is... Wait, before, I before, think before, Missy, you say, before you do that, hang on. Oh, okay. I can't carry. Okay. You know, before you do, <laughs> we've been here before with you emphatically telling me I was wrong about something, and me telling you. <laughs> oh, I'm not emphatically. Uh, yes, yeah, many, many times, Tom. Many times, but I'm not emphatically telling you you're wrong. Okay, <laughs> I'm saying I would like to offer a, a contrary opinion. Okay, I'm just, I just want to sort out what the forfeit's going to be. <laughs> no, no, no forfeit. I'm not saying this is going to happen. Okay, I'm saying this is more plausible. I think. Okay, um, but you know. I think you'll all actually quite like this theory, even though you'll probably dismiss it out of hand. But I think Missy is some form of Madame de Pompadour after the clockwork droids have, I don't know, reconstituted her from the dead of some kind at the end of um, The Girl in the Fireplace. Mm. She's She's come back to life with some kind of pathological desire to get hold of the Doctor. She's clearly not as she was. She's called... Um, she's called the Doctor her boyfriend, which I think you know makes more sense than a master suddenly having change in sex, saying, "Oh, okay, the Doctor's my boyfriend." And the clockwork droids were in the first episode, and, and, and we know that the Missy character is going to feature and appear in the in the finale as well. So there was time travel technology or time window technology on. The, um, the, the the ship that the 10th Doctor Rose and Mickey found themselves on in Girl in the Fireplace. It's something Moffat designed. He wrote the Girl in the Fireplace. He, he created the most credible girlfriend, if you like, that a Doctor had in... Um, um, in in Sophie Miles' character. And, and also, Sophie, Sophie Miles has, has been very much um, keen to get back into Doctor Who. If you follow her on Twitter, you know, she's been interacting with lots of people um, in, in the Hooniverse, and there was talk last year about her coming back into one of the specials. I have a feeling we're not done with Madame de Pompadour yet. Does your kooky theory extend to a reason why she's doing what she's doing? Not yet. I think po- possibly because the droids just carry on no matter what, and they, they see... They see Madame de Pompadour dead. They don't accept this. They start repairing her. They start replacing bits of her. Might also tie into why the Cybermen are in the finale. Um, you know, bits bits are replaced. Maybe the clockwork droids are proto-Cybermen. You know, there was a lot of discussion in Deep Breath about, well, you know, if, if a broom consists of a handle and a brush, if you replace one element and then the other time and time again, is it still a broom? Not only is that a very good metaphor for a Time Lord, uh, but it's it's also 
totally appropriate to the clockwork droids and what they were doing. They were mm. looking for new parts, spare parts. We always associate spare parts with Cybermen. My God, there's even a big finished play called Spare Parts. One of the best. So I, I, I think the clockwork droids fit nicely in with Cybermen. Um, we've never really had a, a definitive origin story for Cybermen that dates back prior uh, to, to 10th Planet. So... Who knows? Maybe this is what Muffat is going to do and maybe the human drama element is going to come in in the fact that the Doctor's girlfriend is returning from season two. There you go. I like that better than a female master. Put it that way. I'm staying with a female master. <laughs> you know, I've, I've uh, seen some speculation that Valyard could somehow play into this, that she could be some some iteration of the Valyard, which, which also I find intriguing. But, well... When I say intriguing, uh, that that's speaking loosely because, to be honest, these these cutaways to this other character, for me, are more an intrusion into mm. into a storyline that yep. I'd rather just be following the storyline. I'm not, you know, Missy seems kind of over the top for whatever she is, almost cartoonish, and and I find I'd really rather just be sticking with the uh, the storyline of of this doctor and following Peter Capaldi and, and, and Jenna Coleman and seeing what's happening there. So I'm, I'm not yet taken with what certainly looks like it's going to be the story arc for the season. Oh, I, I think it is. It's only, it's only a couple of minutes in each episode for me. And it, it, it intrigues me rather than annoys me, I have to say, but uh, the, the promised land is also quite interesting. I mean, presumably, you know, paradise, Shangri-La, holiday camp, Heaven. Wales, we're going back to Delta and the Banaban. <laughs> Hooray. <laughs> I can hardly wait. You know, another thing that, that we never did discuss last week, oddly enough, was, was whether we thought Half-Faced Man was pushed or whether he jumped. And and now that you mentioned Promised Land, because I'd rather not have the Doctor have pushed him, even though I think dramatically that may be more likely. But I could see a scenario where the Doctor talks him into jumping uh, by explaining that the Promised Land, or Heaven, is is a place that they're supposed to encounter after death. So if you're really looking for the mm. promised land, the way to find the promised land is to to take the plunge, as it were. So that's my theory for that. It's, it, it's just possible. for the record. Just for the record, the android did jump. He wasn't pushed. <laughs> Yay, Trev. I've, uh, well, I mean, it's it's perfectly clear from the dialogue that's in the story that. Um, the Doctor understood the android's programming, but, of course, the android didn't know the Doctor from a bar of soap, so he didn't understand who he was. Or so did he? To, no, or did he, he? He, di- he didn't. He, he knew him for a total mm. of ten minutes and had a conversation in a flying um, balloon made of skin, um, whereas the Doctor knew a lot more about him than he knew about the Doctor. So to me it's very, very clear that the clockwork dummy jumped Oh, well, Whether I, he was coerced by the doctor, like like you're saying there, Michelle, with um, you know, saying you know you will go to Shangri-La or the Promised Land. Whether he was coerced, I I don't know, but the doctor definitely did not push him. Oh uh, well, oh well, I, I, and I would tend to agree. <laughs> I, I, I would tend to agree on that one. We we shall have to wait and see. Which was the doctor that would talk enemies into destroying themselves? Was that was that was that really Patrick Troughton? Well, Sylvester McCoy did it with the Dalek oh, in, in Remembrance, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're right. You're right. Oh, please, Davros, don't fire that big thing at the red planet you can't identify. Oh, look, you just destroyed your own home world. What a shame. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, I mean, down in the junkyard, there, there's a scene at the climax mm. of that where he talks a Dalek into uh, self-destructing Spinning himself. To oh, death. yes, 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 yeah. yes, yes. Yes, I've forgotten. <laughs> Thank you.
Okay, well, it, it's been a pleasure returning to the camper van to argue with you again. We haven't done that for ages, Tom Trev, <laughs> Michelle. <laughs> it's, it's always good to, uh, to to exchange exchange views, theories, and opinions. And uh, I don't know. I, I think there are going to be quite a lot uh, of questions asked, as, as Tom said beginning of this particular episode. There are many, many questions that haven't been answered. In fact, that we haven't covered many of them uh, on this episode. I'm, I'm sure we will cover them in future episodes. Like next week, for instance, when we will Ooh, be discussing Robots week. of Sherwood. No, 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 no. We'll be oh. discussing Robot of Sherwood. Oh, Just one you, robot. You, yeah, you, not you, multiple you, you robots. Know, like Robin of Sherwood, Robot of Sherwood. Yeah. Oh, wow. Ah, yes, okay. It's a very badly crafted pun. I see. It is. Okay. The, the only the, thing at this moment in time that makes me excited about that is Capaldi doing comedy and because uh, he, he was brilliant in this episode into the Dalek where he was coming out with his one lines he made me laugh a lot oh. and, I'm, and I'm wondering how he's going to uh, attack what we all believe to be a, a comic episode but um, next yeah, I'm, I'm week's episode forward. next week's episode worries me a lot it really does <laughs> and the next time trailer which is the first time I've seen any footage from it at all ever makes me worry even more I mean oh my god well, come not- back next week, listeners, to see whether or not Trevor is <laughs> banging his head on a table once again, <laughs> or whether or not he was actually, you know, wrong to be concerned. Sometimes when you go into these things with low expectations, that actually makes the viewing experience considerably better. I think you'll find James that often that I, I think you'll find James that I'm very rarely wrong. So you know, my instincts are usually pretty bang on. So <laughs> uh, uh, Trev, Trev, see, it's the opposite we? of that. It's the other way. It's the opposite <laughs> of that. You're often wrong. <laughs> oh, sorry. I always get that wrong. Left, right, up, down, north, south, east, west. The other right. left. The other left. Right, wrong. <laughs> the other left. That's it. But until next week, guys, James, I don't think we can have you back next week because, um, you know, you, you, you've said the wrong things. You passed the fourth <laughs> the wrong way. I didn't so, agree with Trevor. I committed the cardinal sin. So you are now banned for one week. Tom, I'm afraid it's the same again, mate. Um, you talk too much, so we're going to have to take a week's break. Well. <laughs> Michelle, you're more than welcome to come back next week. I love you. Oh, why, um, thank you. I, I love you too, Trev. Oh, that's so sweet. Come back and talk about Robot of Sherwood, and we might even be able to get another... Uh, American voice on the podcast next week. Who knows? I'm not too sure about the sort of, about the emotional content of the podcast going up. This is supposed to be a Doctor Who podcast, not EastEnders, <laughs> not a soap opera. Until next week, listeners. Say goodbye, everyone. Goodbye, goodbye everyone. Bye. You've been listening to the Doctor Who podcast, brought to you this week by Trevor, Michelle, Tom, and James. You can find more episodes of the show at thedoctorwhopodcast.com or check us out on Facebook, Twitter or drop by the Doctor Who Podcast forums and say hi. Thanks for listening. See you later.